0: What we celebrate tonight took place in a cave, a cave that was used as a stable, a cave in the town of Bethlehem or outside the town of Bethlehem, and a cave that a poor young couple used for shelter when there was, when there was no room for them at the end. Tonight we celebrate that in this cave used as a stable, the most mysterious and awe-inspiring event in all of history took place. The eternal word of God, the second person of the most holy trinity, God, whole and entire, became a man like us in all things but sin and was born of the blessed Virgin Mary. And it's one of My favorite lines about the nativity, about Christmas, comes from a British Catholic writer, G.K. Chesterton, and he said that on this night, the hands that made the stars and the sun were too small to reach the huge head of cattle that would have been with him in this stable. This mystery is worth pondering because Bethlehem is a place where seemingly impossible extremes Come together. You know, on the one hand, in the manger, we have what, to all appearances, looks like a typical infant, a typical baby boy. Like all infants, helpless, dependent, vulnerable. Yet the reality is that this seemingly normal infant boy is also truly God. God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, God who is eternal and infinite, God who always was, is and will be. This is the mystery of Christmas, this coming together of seemingly impossible extremes. And it's a strange mystery. It's one we're familiar with, so maybe we don't recognize the strangest, strangeness of it, but it's a strange one nonetheless. But it sort of begs the question, why on earth, or in the universe, would the infinite and eternal God uh, become a man? Well, our first reading from Isaiah gives us some hint, uh, gives us a hint. We were a people walking in darkness, in a land of gloom. We were burdened by the yoke of, of a slavery. We were under the rod of a taskmaster. Yeah, Isaiah's language, it serves as a metaphor for the reality of sin. You see, God had created us for himself, for a deep and intimate friendship with him. But by the fault of our first parents, sin entered the world, and sin is the definitive obstacle to friendship with God. And what followed sin, suffering and death, Moreover, sin is not a problem that we can solve by our own effort or ingenuity. There is no pill that we could ever devise. There's no technology or device that we could ever develop. No amount of of initiative or money could ever take away the sins of the world. It's a problem beyond us, but nothing is beyond God, and he did not abandon us. He promised that he would one day send a Redeemer, a Savior, who would reconcile us to himself. And so he gathered together a people. And Many, many years passed, decades, centuries, millennia. Then he sent us that Savior, Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, co-eternal, God whole and entire, became flesh, took on a human nature, true God and true man, Jesus, by his cross and resurrection, would reconcile us to the Father. And now the choice is ours. Do we accept this tremendous gift of reconciliation, this gift of salvation, or not? And I would say that we even see a hint of this choice in our gospel. We see it in a a seemingly casual remark from St. Luke, the author of, of our Gospel. He said there was no room for the Holy Family at the inn. Why? Why was there no room for the family at the inn? He doesn't say why. On the one hand, it seems like it's almost an insignificant detail, but nothing in Sacred Scripture is insignificant. And maybe it makes us ask the question, what would happen if Mary and Joseph were to knock at my door tonight? Would there be room for them? Or what I'm getting at, St. John, uh, in the prologue to John's Gospel, he, he has this chillingly more direct line. He says that Christ came unto his own, but his own received him not. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. So the question is, do we have room for Christ, for God, in our hearts, and our souls, and our lives, and our homes? You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will enter his house and dine with him and he with me. We often today might speak of somebody uh, finding God or finding Jesus or getting religion. But those phrases, they get it backwards. The reality is that it is God who is constantly pursuing us. Hopefully, at some point, we decide to simply stop running from him. And Christmas shows us that God pursues us that he would go to any length to bring us back, that he would move heaven and earth, so to speak, to save us. But he won't force this gift of reconciliation and salvation upon us. We have the freedom to tell him there's no room in the inn of our hearts and souls, in our lives and homes, for Christ respects our freedom. The psalmist tells us today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts, the Lord stands at our door, the door of our soul, and knocks tonight. Let us find room for him, not just tonight, but all the days for the rest of our lives.